Um, well, without uh, any more delay, Matt and Annette, you guys want to come up here and uh, bless us with the word and your your life with each other and your life with God. y'all hear me? Can you hear me? Yep. Cool. Well, this is exciting, huh? Doing this together. So, it's left it on, right? Okay. Um, it was no mistake that uh, Denise shared what she just shared because, uh, before the service, I had something pop up on the inside of me, and I'm like, I don't necessarily know how this fits in, but, you know, I'm picking up on what the Spirit wants to say. And uh, and I guess before I go there, um, what I want to say is that you could look at, you know, Greg put up the message with the title and everything, A Life of Prayer, and one might go to the place of, okay, let's go check this out because, you know, we're looking for 10 steps to answered prayer, okay? If that's what you're looking for today, you're going to be disappointed, <laughs> I promise you. Um, but what I like what Denise said, you know, she felt like she should be somewhere that she's not or whatever, and she felt like, but yet that's the very place where we ought to be because we were never intended to produce anything to be as you ought to be is to be a branch engrafted into the vine through which the vine produces fruit mm. and uh, I, I'm actually feeling some of the things that Denise just explained even right now because when it comes to sitting in front of people, my comfort zone is to go to doctrine. And, and that's all well and good. But today we're going to be talking about prayer, and I don't necessarily find a doctrine of prayer. So I'm sitting here, and I'm feeling inadequate <laughs> because you guys are looking, right? <laughs> And you showed up because apparently they've got something to say. Um, a long time ago, I heard a man say, he, he was talking about hearing the voice of God. And he made this statement. He said, if you really believe that what you heard is from God, wouldn't it behoove you to at least take the time to write it down? And that thought to me was, that makes sense. You know, it just kind of felt good. And so I put myself in the habit of doing that. Trying Anytime I believe God spoke to me, I tried to capture it in writing. And that just became my habit. But I remember one time I'm driving down the road, and all of a sudden, I start getting this download. I mean, God is talking, and it is like a waterfall. And I'm, I'm getting frustrated because I'm like, how am I going to remember all this? And 
finally I pulled off the side of the road and I'm looking for a pen and just clear as a bell the Lord said what are you doing well, God knows the answers to all questions right so when he asks you a question he's trying to get your attention and I said well I, I, you're, you're saying all this I don't want to miss this I don't want and he said I said I, I don't want to lose it and he said are you gonna lose me <laughs> and I'm like well no I'm not gonna lose you he said well if it came from me then don't you think I have it captured hmm. and I'm like okay and I was just delivered from that thing right then I bring that up because one of the one of the things that I find difficult when it comes to preparing a message is you get into the word and you're focused on the scriptures and they're so deep and they're so vast and they're so broad and there's so many places you can go and my mind will go here and it'll go there and it'll go there and, and trying to capture all that stuff it, it can be a bit frustrating you know and, and and in that time praying with the Lord as far as what is it that you want presented you know and a lot of times he'll take me around the mountain to bring me back to the place of what it is that he's wanting to do and and the journey's fun but sometimes it can be frustrating because you're thinking you got to capture all this stuff you know well originally uh, greg and i were talking about me ministering today because of what was going on with his face and uh, and i'm sitting out on the back porch with Annette and I'm just kind of talking with her about some of the scriptures like like this, this is an everyday occurrence with her and I I mean we're sitting out there and we're bouncing back and forth back and forth and the bouncing on that got so good I'm like well why don't you just come be a part of this it don't need to be the match show you know and we can just you know share in that well that presented a whole nother problem because I'm trying to capture the stuff where my mind's going down all these different rabbit trails. And then she brings a whole nother set of rabbit trails to the table. And it's like, how in the world is this going to mesh together? And, um, yeah, so we don't know. I came to that conclusion. I don't know. Uh, last time I stood up here, I think I had 12 pages of notes. The last time Annette stood up here, she had 20, 20. pages of notes. Uh, today I've got three pages of notes. Me too, three. And the major and the reason it's three pages is because I took time to actually write out the passages that I'm going to be looking at. So mine's three because I have bigger font. <laughs> so we're just going to trust God to do what He does. We're going to mm -hmm. trust the Spirit to bring out what He wants brought out, because a lot of what will come out it's not so much dependent on us as it is on who's sitting in front of us and who's watching via the internet because you're engaged in a conversation with god and you have desires and you have you have questions and things that you're you're looking to have answered um and and, and as you pull on on god He's chosen for this moment for us to be up here. So there's something that will come out of us for you. And we might wind up taking all kind of side journeys. Who knows where it'll land. And uh, matter of fact, we're, we're going side journey right now. Uh-oh. Uh, 
<laughs> I want, I want, I've been meaning to I've been meaning to do this for quite a while. And uh find right. this verse real quick. About a month ago, I was sitting right back there where Linda's sitting. And I was just praying. I was here. Uh, it was after the Monday morning men's Bible study. I was just sitting here by myself, just took some time to pray. And uh, just clear as a bell, I saw Doug's face in front of me. And I thought, well, that's interesting because I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily thinking about Doug. Um, but I saw his face, and it was, and I heard a scripture, and it was like the I heard the Lord saying this to him. So I just want to read the verse to you. It's no more complicated than that. Doesn't have <laughs> <laughs> Nothing bad. <laughs> but the verse is, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward His name in that you have ministered to the saints and you do minister. Hmm. And just even as I say that, it's like I'm, I'm prompted to even go further and say that the thing that you see on the inside of you as far as being a ministry to the body, that's not just your imagination. That's in there and it's born of God. And there are no experiences from the past or anything that are going to keep that thing from coming forward. He put it in you. He will bring it to pass. And uh, so that's that. Where do we go now? Um, and also, along with Denise, this, this, this now I'm going to go to what I got right before the service. And uh, I promise you, Annette, we'll get to talk. Maybe. Maybe a little. I kind of figured it'd go like this. <laughs> but in, in regards to prayer, I thought, I kind of thought this verse talks about prayer, and I kind of thought that's why it came to me. But then when Denise said what she said, then I saw something else. It's in First uh, Peter chapter 3. It says, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face, is a but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And it's no mistake that he brought that verse to me because yesterday I was looking at a definition. And I'll pull that up real quick. The definition of evil, the Greek word for evil in the New Testament, according to Thayer's, means not as it ought to be. Not as it ought to be. And a lot of times the reason we would we would have a tendency, and when I say we, I'm just referring to humanity in general, would have a tendency to hear a title of a life of prayer and, and go to a place of, okay, 10 steps. You know, ten to, what do I need to do to get my prayers answered? And you're, and you're looking for that. 
And the reason we would go there is because the carnal mind is constantly trying to be justified. And the carnal mind will always try to be justified, but there is no justification for the carnal mind. For that is born from death. There is no salvation for the carnal mind whatsoever. Hmm. But you hear that voice. And it puts you in a position of feeling like you aren't as you ought to be. It'll put you, you, you will, you will feel your inadequacy and think that you're not as you ought to be. But even sitting here right now, feeling my inadequacy, I'm exactly as I ought to be because I am not adequate in and of myself. They, told, they, they, they called Jesus good, and he said, why are you calling me good? There's none good but God, because he understood that that was coming from him. So, and, and that, that's come forth in several of the meetings, uh, especially folks watching by the Internet. It, it would do you good to stay in touch with the series of meetings and stay kept up because the Holy Spirit is busy saying something continuously. And, and the only reason we're talking about prayer today is because that's what he's focused on. That's what's been coming up in many of our meetings recently. And so there, there's, there's something he's, he's trying to get across to us. So in your listening to us today, don't look for rules. There are no rules. But yet the carnal mind's always looking for rules because the rule is if I can do this, then I can be justified. Mm -hmm. And I promise you, it is a futile endeavor. You want to add to that? No, I was just going to say it's just wonderful to know that we don't have to try to justify ourselves and we can go to God however we are. Absolutely. All right, so. Do you want me to? Let me jump into the text of this. Okay. My computer shuts off because it's not power. And it's important what you said about everyone, especially online, following along with the messages, the Bible studies, and so forth, because that's really where this is coming from. Mm -hmm. Coming from last Sunday's Bible study and message, and then midweek when Jay was talking about prayer. Mm -hmm. What is prayer? What does it look like now? And so that's kind of like, that's why we're here. That's yeah. why we're talking about prayer. Honestly, I see it's just it as following up along. Yeah. Yeah. So I wrote this, I just said, uh, this morning, Annette, and I want to share with you some things we've come to understand concerning prayer, along with how our understanding has grown from where we might have been years ago to where we are now. And neither of us are under the delusion that our current understanding is complete. Our understanding is growing and maturing day by day. So, uh, so with that. Yeah, like for me, um, prayer used to look like a lot of begging, a lot of re repentance, and you never knew how much of that to do. <laughs> it never was enough. I'm so glad it's not like that anymore, but um, there's just different kinds of prayer. I think we all know that. There's different ways to pray, um, and we're all going to, 
it's all going to look different for each of us because we're all unique. We're all God's sons and daughters. We're all, you know, it's, it's my relationship and by the way I approach God or talk to God isn't going to necessarily be the way that you do. And that's all good. So there's no right or wrong. There's no formulas. Um, you know, we, we can pray during a quiet time or through a song or a walk on the beach. Uh, some of us, you know, talk to God all day long, and some of us have a more nonverbal way of communicating, a knowing, an intimate knowing of God to where maybe we're not talking all day long to him, but we are still communicating or in communion with him because we are one with him. Um, for me, prayer, uh, if we say, what is prayer to me? Um, it's a conversation with God. It's in, within a relationship based on intimacy and love. The intimacy and love has to be there. Um, I think there can be even different approaches to prayer depending on maybe what we're going through at the time. You know, sometimes we, we need, a, I mean, he's, he's our father. We, we know this, he's our Abba, but sometimes we really need a father, you know. And for me, it's mostly that approach. Sometimes we need a mother. Sometimes we need a teacher, a counselor, a deliverer. Sometimes it's just, the prayer is as simple as help. Just help. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Father. Um, so depending on what we're going through, you know, he's all of those things for us. You know, he's our counselor. He's our father. He's our friend. But isn't it wonderful? Like I said before, you know, we, we have a best friend that we can go to and talk to how, in whatever however we're feeling. We don't, we don't need to watch our words and be careful and, you know, worried that he's going to be displeased with us or smite us, <laughs> like I used to think. So prayer has, prayer has changed a lot for me over the years. Um, and the intimacy is knowing what he's done for me, his love for me, his heart for me, that I'm safe with him, that I can completely trust him. There's that foundation which enables me to be able to go to him. However, just like in a, in a marriage or in, in a, your spouse, you know, if you don't have that foundation of intimacy, that knowing their heart and that they're not going to harm you and that they love you, you know, that they're committed to you, then it's hard to be able to go and talk to them about, you know, whatever you're feeling. If you're angry or going through something, you know. Not her. Oh, are you correcting my, my uh, language again? Welcome to our world. My, <laughs> my accent? No. No. <laughs> You're funny. So we talked about kind of like different, there's different kinds of prayer, different ways to approach God and all of that. But I think the more important question has been why pray? Why pray? Um, because, you know, if God knows what we need, then what's the point, you know? And there, I've had those thoughts in, in the past. And there's probably been segments of my life where maybe I didn't really pray, but I still talk to him, you know? And then, but I have thought, well, then why? Why pray? So, well, Jesus taught in Matthew 6, 5 through 13. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrite. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. 
but you, when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father, your father, who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. They don't know the Father like we all know the Father. Jesus was saying they don't know the Father. They don't even know God is their Father, let alone a good Father. They're praying to be seen of men, not by God, and they think somehow God's going to hear them through their many words. They don't know that the Father already hears us before we even speak a word. They didn't know that. So how do we know that? Because Jesus said, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. And this is where the, 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 the thought might come, well, then why pray? I know it did for me. I know it's done for some of us. Um, but that's the exact reason to pray. <laughs> that, instead of saying, well, why? What's the point? He already knows. But I want to know what he knows. Yeah, I want to hear what his heart is for me. That would be why. That would be, that's why I want to pray, because I want to be in communion with him. I want to hear his heart. I want to hear his thoughts. I want to be reminded. I want to know, you know, what he knows. He said, call, you know, call unto me and I will tell you great and wonderful things, right? So, um, and I think, you know, then Jesus goes into what praying looks like knowing our father you know, into the, the, our Father who art in heaven. I mean, right away, right there, that puts your mind on our Father. He goes into telling that, knowing that we already know what our Father, you know, our Father knows what we have need of. So and he goes into start with our Father. But then there are times, um, you know, I don't really know what to pray. You know, and I'm reminded of Romans 8, 26 through 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And so, do you want to go into that a little bit more or start sure. from the... Maybe the, read the whole chapter or more of that. But just picking up with okay. where you jumped off, of, your father knoweth what things you have need of before you pray. But then Paul would come along in Romans chapter 8 and say, for you know not what to pray for as you ought. Well, I don't know, and mm -hmm. he does know. Yeah. So it's in that, in that, place of prayer where those exchanges take place so that we can know a lot of times we have the idea that uh, you know th there's a crisis that pops up you know in the in the day adversity visits your house which it visits all of our houses from time to time so in that place all you can see let's let's say you had a financial crisis 
and you're thinking right away off the top of your head, I need some money. That's mm-hmm. what I need. Yeah. Been I there. I, 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 forget Romans 8. I know how to pray for us all. I need some money. I don't know how this is going to happen. And But then starts the exchange. Then comes... The thing about the thing about prayer is that it's based on relationship, and relationship is is it's conversation. I was I was with a group one time, and we decided to go through this particular book on uh, it was it was a, more of a psychology kind of book, but it was a book on relationships. And the one thing that really stood out to me, my my takeaway from the whole thing, was this one statement that the person who wrote the book made. They said. In a relationship, the conversation is 90% of the relationship. The conversation, the interaction, the back and forth. So in that place of prayer, that's where that takes place. I bring something to the table. He brings something to the table. And we start interacting with that. Okay, and in that interaction, he could show me that the thing that I'm after might not be the thing that would solve the problem. Right. Yeah. I think I've got a cash problem. Well, he says, no, you've got a cash flow problem. And usually that will take into So then he's going to start talking to me about the thing that he always talks about, which is Jesus. Okay, there, there's some people, especially amongst denominationalists, they, they have a hard time when you say stuff like God said to me, okay, because they'll pull up the verse that says, no, God who has in sundry times and in diverse manners spoken to our fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son. So God has spoken. There's no, there's, God's not speaking anymore today which I think is kind of hypocritical because then they'll start trying to minister from the epistles, which were <laughs> written after Jesus. But, uh, but God does speak today. Jesus said, how be it when he, the spirit of truth is come, he will lead and guide you unto himself, for he will not speak of himself, but those things which he has seen will he speak. He speaks. Paul told the church at Corinth, he said, for we don't serve dumb idols as the heathen. And my, my, my understanding of that used to be, yeah, idols are dumb. But <laughs> I come to understand that they're dumb and they're not speaking. <laughs> it's just a statue. It don't talk. Our God talks. That's right. Our God is a speaking spirit. <laughs> he, he, he speaks the word of life. There's speech involved in that. And that, and that hits our heart and, and we can hear it. And, and the way... The way that comes about is going to be different with everybody. I don't expect your experience to be mine. And as you're hearing of any experience that I talk about, don't feel yourself as being less than because your experience doesn't look like mine. Because we're all different, okay? But uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff there in that Romans 8. It says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, 
but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself shall also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And that's a verse that came out during our Bible study this morning. Um, not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why does he yet hope for it? But if we hope for that which we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmity or our weakness. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and that are called according to his purpose. Going back to the importance of tracking with the services that, that take place here, you will have heard a lot of emphasis especially over the last year where intercession is concerned. And when I say that my prayer life is, is it's continually growing and continually maturing, I'm going to talk to you about something that, that I've just started really grasping in the last month. And it's made a big difference because it has changed my perception in what I thought certain verses were saying that they're not really saying. Um, one thing that I did several years ago was cleared up for me, and that's this idea of intercession being, we know that there, there is one intercessor between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, right? But because of the religious foundation of penal substitution, my idea of that was Jesus was the go-between between me and God, yeah. and I needed him to get to God in that he was an advocate, and he was making intercession to God. But the part of that that never made sense and I never was able to reconcile is the fact that Jesus is God. <laughs> so why does Jesus need to go between me and himself to get to himself? <laughs> We don't think about these things. Religion will make you stupid, okay? And I'll testify to it. But he's making intercession in our hearts. Yeah. He, he stands as 
we see the faith displayed in Jesus on the cross. That wasn't for God's sake. That was for our sake. That, that's a word that's speaking to our heart. It's making intercession in our heart mm-hmm. about what God's, what God's desire is toward us and that the fact he wants us to have eternal life mm-hmm. and that the whole thing is his doing and the whole thing was his idea. So now with that in mind, this verse here about the Spirit makes intercession for us, again, where I came from to where I'm at at now, right? Where I came from, we were always taught that what that is talking about is praying in other tongues because you don't know how to pray as you ought, so the Holy Spirit will step in and he'll speak to the Father on your behalf. Well, when you understand intercession the way I just explained it, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't even line up with, it it makes it even more confusing when you put that together with your father knoweth what things you have need of before you pray. Mm -hmm. Well, if God is the Holy Ghost, why does he need to talk to himself about what he promised? (laughs) There's something going, so how how does he intercede for us? When the Spirit intercedes for you because you don't know how to pray for as you ought, first off, he's wanting to enter into a conversation mm-hmm. because that's where the prayer takes place is in the midst of the conversation. And what I'm starting to see is the way he intercedes in my heart concerning the things that I don't know how to pray for as I ought. It says he intercedes with groanings. What would that groaning look like? We know creation's groaning because it's subject to death. We know that we groan within ourselves, according to this scripture, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. Uh, Jesus don't have that problem. So what's the groaning look like that comes from him? And I'm starting to see it's more like the Holy Spirit. You come presenting the problem, and he sees the angst in your heart, and his response is, I know, I know. How would you equate that to a groaning? Well, I'll just go back to last week. Greg got injured. We're talking about it, and in that discussion, he sends me a picture of his face showing that gash. Both mine and Annette's response was the same. Ooh. Oh. (laughs) And it's kind of like the groaning that takes place in that situation with God is you present him with a problem. And he's like, Oh, why? We, we because, felt your pain. because he has experienced, he has Jesus walked this earth in a human body and he felt the pressures of death. He knows what it feels like. And when you come to him with a problem, he's like, yeah, I, I can relate to that. I know, I know that changes the whole dynamic. Now, all of a sudden, I'm not looking to him to go to God for me. I'm I'm talking to God. And in that conversation, he that searches the hearts, plural. Well, when I'm praying to God, what hearts are involved? My heart, his heart. And we're both searching each other's hearts. 
He knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God, which goes to what I said just a second ago about he's always talking to me about Jesus. Because Jesus is a display of the will of God. And he's constantly going to present, keep presenting me with the faith, presenting me with the faith. And at the same time, it's that same spirit that's bearing witness with my spirit that I am a son of God. Mm -hmm. He's wanting to bring me to a place where my problem isn't a result of me not being as I ought to be. But he comes and shows me that I am as I ought to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm <laughs> waiting on you. <laughs> Go there. <laughs> and we know that all these things work together for good to them that love God who are called according to his purpose. <laughs> you can go to Bible Gateway and you can ask Bible Gateway, what are the most looked up scriptures in the Bible? That verse right there comes out to be number one. Yeah. For we know that all things work together for good. Well, do all things really work together for good? What about to the guy who got killed in a car wreck? Is that working together for his good? Or was it, is when he's saying all things work together for your good, he's referring to the things that he's talking about here. The interceding. The interceding. The groanings. The groanings. The interaction. That's working together for my good. Because I'm coming probably with... The reason we consider something a crisis is because we think it's something that's threatening our life. And he doesn't come with that perspective at all. And in the place of prayer, there's an exchange taking place. The exchange is that I'm presenting my perspective, and he's coming with a different perspective. I'm coming with a perspective probably that's subject to death. God never thinks according to being subject to death mm -hmm. because he's not subject to death. And he wants to bring us into that place. When I say that place into that reality of truth, I quoted this verse a while ago, how be it when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will lead and guide us into all truth. That word truth, if you get, if you do some digging into the into the concordances and dictionaries and stuff, you'll come to find that that word would have been more appropriately translated reality. When he, the spirit of reality, has come, he will lead and guide you into that reality. What reality? The reality of truth. It, it almost it almost takes on the flavor of like the movie The Matrix. The carnal mind is stuck in this place. And it ain't getting out because it's born from death, it's subject to death, and it's going to dust. But there is a reality that's based on eternity. 
and it's in it's in our interaction and in our relationship and in that intimacy with God that we we start taking on that reality. That reality starts becoming our reality. The scriptures talk about going from faith to faith. From the faith starts becoming my faith because it came from him. Right. It's a whole new reality. It's a whole new perspective. It's no longer I, I'm not as I ought to be. It's I'm absolutely as I ought to be. How ought I to be? Dependent on the Father. That's my place, to be dependent on the Father. And just real quick, uh, something that uh, we, all, we all know John Fazio, right? Mm, yeah, he posted works. something real short on Facebook the other day, which is unusual. John's not one for posting short stuff. <laughs> Love you, John. <laughs> but he said, prayer is an exchange of persuasions. Mm. I share mine with the Father. He shares his with me, correcting mine if necessary. For me, this process never ends, so you could say that I pray without ceasing. And then in the comments, he threw down a definition that he found. The word for pray without ceasing, the word pray there, it's actually a combination of two words, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce these things. But one word means towards exchange, and the other word means to wish or pray. And so the proper definition of that particular word, when you bring those two together to create the word that is translated pray in that verse, it simply means to interact with the Lord by switching human wishes or ideas for wishes as he imparts faith, divine persuasion. How does faith come? I... Hearing. How are you going to hear something that's not being spoken? Hmm. And what are you doing to put yourself in the position to hear? That's prayer. It's literally me going and putting myself in the position to hear. And that's not something that necessarily happens. For me, it's not something that happens in a closet. It's something that's ongoing all the time. It's ongoing all the time. It's just, it's, it, it flows from me just having a conscience full of the fact that he's with me. He's with me. He's with me. He's always with me. He's never not with me. Yeah. No, I was just thinking about Greg's post this morning. And he said, as we sit in the presence of God and hear his heart, we will find his life impacting our hearts apart from our knowing it and apart from our contribution. Hearing his heart, well, you gotta hear the gospel, gotta hear the truth. And you can also hear his heart just in your quiet time because you have heard, you have heard, and then you can, in prayer, in your quiet time, you'll hear him. He'll, he'll, the Holy Spirit will bring back to your remembrance when you were talking before about you know, oh, you got to write it down. And God said, well, am I not here? <laughs> I always, for me, when that happens to me, I always think, you know, or I just say, Holy Spirit, bring this back to my remembrance because <laughs> I don't have time to write it down. Um, so as you're hearing, you know, as we sit in his presence, 
we will find his life impacting our hearts apart from our knowing and apart from our contribution, really. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. Yeah. The end goal isn't that you can figure this gospel out with your intellect. The end goal is fellowship and intimacy with God as your father, where you can just share your hearts with one another. The awesome thing is that we just share our as we just share our hearts with God, something dynamic and beautiful is happening in that. He is giving birth to himself in us. Mm. And we could say the same thing with prayer. The end goal is it that you can figure out this prayer thing with your intellect. The end goal is fellowship and intimacy with God as your father, where you can just share your hearts with one another. The awesome thing is that we just share our hearts with God. As we do that, something dynamic and beautiful is happening in that. He is giving birth to himself in us. Mm. It's just powerful. And so then as he gives ex birth. The exchange. Yeah. The exchange. So as he gives birth to who he is in ourselves, then that becomes a part of us. Mm -hmm. And as that starts to happen, then you'll start noticing your life being rooted, grounded, settled. Um. Some of the little thing I wrote down here, it said, when we first came to God, we had a preconceived idea of what prayer looks like. And unfortunately, the institutions that many of us joined ourselves to helped to reinforce those ideas. Sadly, most of them have their roots in paganism, whose main root is death, and death brought about the carnal mind, which being subject to death concluded that I must do something such as follow a formula or enact a certain ritual in order to have access to the ear of God. Um, with that said, I'm going to go back and read this other verse that I brought out at the very beginning. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. Now, what did we show evil to be? Evil is seeing yourself as being not, not as you, you ought to be. be. That's the definition of evil. Refrain your tongue from that. Don't talk like somebody who's not as they ought to be. Let these thoughts be far removed from you. And when I say that, uh, it's... This is something that comes about by the Spirit. You can't just flip some switch in your willpower and cause that to happen. But in the midst of the Spirit doing what he does right now, there's actually a degree of that taking place on the inside of each of us right now. Right now. It's happening right now. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the faith of the Lord is against them that see themselves as not being as they ought to be. Just the fact that you see yourself in need of going to God for something, that is as you ought to be. And his, it says here that his ears are open to those prayers. That's the prayer he wants to hear. 
bring that up because of what was said back in Matthew chapter 7. You know, he said, be not as the heathen. Well, the heathen's the one that's looking for the formula, looking for the, constantly looking for the right way to rub the genie lamp to get the thing to pop out. I've been doing it this way for a week now and nothing's happening. Well, let's twist it and let's do it this way. Let's rub up and down. No, let's rub back and forth. Let's, you know, and it's just, oh, it's so frustrating and it's so futile. And, and it doesn't produce anything except a big bag of religion. And here's the thing about religion. Religion doesn't work unless you've got somebody else to compare yourself to. <laughs> so even though you're not getting no results, you can feel pretty good about yourself because, after all, I'm doing it better than Jerry's doing it. And the way I justify myself in that is that I convince enough other people that I'm doing it the right way. I'm doing it better than you. You ought to do it my way. Jesus addressed those folks. He said, you heap heavy burdens on people, yet you yourself will not lift one finger to move them. Hmm. So there's another passage of Scripture I want to go into that talks, that kind of gives it the, it gives us a picture of what prayer should look like. It's a little bit, well, it's not real long, but it comes from Isaiah chapter 1. And in verse 10 it says, Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom, and give ear unto the law of God, ye people of Gomorrah. And the reason he says Sodom and Gomorrah here was in the previous verses, he's, he's comparing Israel to Sodom and Gomorrah. So when he's saying Sodom and Gomorrah here, he's talking to Israel. Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom, and give ear unto the law of God, ye people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is this multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts. I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required this at your hand to tread in my courts? Where did you get this idea? Bring no more vain oblations. Incense are an abomination to me. The new moons and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with it. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feast, my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me, and I am weary to bear them. When you spread forth your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash you. Make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings. The evil. The evil. The evil that was what was happening here what they were first off where did they get the idea for the feast and the new moons and all that stuff see that can be kind of confusing because wasn't it god who instituted the the feast mm-hmm. so we've got a contradiction i like <laughs> contradiction the reason i like contradiction is because if i can endure the contradiction i know revelation is coming and i'm going to see something here What's going on here is they totally twisted what God was saying to them in the feast and the things that he brought up here because those were things presented to the people. They were saying something to the people. 
And they took that as, well, this is something we need to be saying to God in order to get, uh, get his ear. Hmm. So it got totally twisted. It took them, instead of receiving what God was saying to them and letting that produce something on the inside of them, they approached it from not, from not being as they ought to be. So we're going to take these things that God gave us and we're going to work them as a formula hmm. in order to get his attention. And God's saying, I'm sick of this. Can I say that? God says I'm sick of it? Because, I mean, that's a bad confession. After all, brother, God doesn't get sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like He's fed up. Yeah. God is sick of death. Put away the evil of your doings. He didn't even say put away your doings. He said put away the evil of it. Mm -hmm. You're coming with a wrong. You're coming from a wrong place. From before mine eyes, cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless and plead for the widow. Mm -hmm. this, these are the things that we are to learn. Mm -hmm. And I submit that that learning takes place in the place of prayer. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Willing and obedient to what? Willing and obedient to come and reason together. If you're willing to do that, you'll eat the good of the land. Amen? Amen. Any thoughts? Can we talk about Philippians 6? 4, 6? Quickly? Sure. Okay. Very popular scripture. Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, will, that surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. I always thought peace was just, you know, a state of tranquility. That's what the dictionary says. You know, or, or calmness or quiet. And I, I believe God can bring that to us. And our hearts and mind can certainly be calmed and quieted. But it's more of the result of what happens to us when peace shows up. Mm. Peace is the fruit of the Spirit. And we know God is the source of peace. One of his names is Jehovah Shalom. That is in Judges 6.24. Shalom is the Hebrew word for peace. Um, and that literally means the Lord is peace. And of course, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. God's peace is more than just the absence of conflict, straight, state of tranquility, or a state of rest. It means completeness, wholeness. And it points to the presence of something, something else. 
As I said, the Hebrew word peace is shalom. According to Strong's, it means completeness, soundness, and welfare. It comes from the root word shalem, which means making amends or making whole or complete. So then having peace or shalom means being in a state of wholeness or completeness without any deficiency or, or lack. You lack nothing. So the Greek word for peace is irene. And it means one, peace, quiet, and rest. It originates from the root word iro, I believe that's how you say it, which means to join or tie together into a whole. So it means unity and bringing multiple parts together to form a whole or set it as one again. Which I thought, you know, Greg's post this morning, that one paragraph, as I already read it, the end goal isn't that you can figure this prayer thing out with your intellect. The end goal is fellowship and intimacy with God as your father, where you can share your hearts with one another. And then, you know, he ended it with, well, I'll just finish it. The awesome thing is that we just share our hearts with God as we do that, as we are praying and, and presenting our requests and petitioning and the thanksgiving that flows because we know he's, he, his desire is to save us. And he has saved us and that he's only good and all of the good things we know, all that Thanksgiving rises up. Um, as we do that, that something dynamic and beautiful is happening in that. He's giving birth to himself in us, his peace. So I went back and I, and I rewrote Philippians 4, 6, putting all of that together. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer sharing your heart with God and recalling and listening for his heart for you and petition, prayer and petition, sharing with him what you would like to see manifest with thanksgiving, you know, thanksgiving rising up in you, thanking him for all he has done and his desire for you to experience his life and strength, knowing he already knows what you really have need of, Present your requests to God and the peace of God, the dynamic working of his power, his fruit, his very life, from where there is only wholeness, completeness, soundness, welfare, unity, and oneness with him is birthed in you. It's so much more than just, I feel tranquil. <laughs> right? Um, very medium. Where you find you are complete and not lacking anything. Peace is as you ought to be. Right, exactly. And this surpasses all, his peace surpasses all understanding. We can't explain it with the carnal mind because it's not us bringing it forth. It's him. God's bringing forth. He's birthing it in us. It's his peace. His peace will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He does the guarding. He is the peace mm. that does the guarding. So I've known that. Scripture, you know, one of the first scriptures I learned and just thought it just learning more about peace and shalom and what that really means just brings so much more. And I'm anxious to just sit more with God on that and, and talk to him about that wholeness and completeness. So I'm going to ask you a question now. In, oh, no. In that becoming established on you, in you. Mm-hmm. Do you ever find yourself praying more than once 
concerning the same thing. Yes. Um, but maybe from a different perspective or a different angle. Mm -hmm. So coming from where I came from, you were taught not to do that. You ask God for something you believe you receive, and from then on, you just go forward thanking for for it. Well, he says, ask, seek, knock. Yeah. It's a continuous. It's an ongoing thing. You know, Jesus said this. He said, for judgment, I have come into the world. And what he means by that is Jesus is the plumb line. The life of Jesus is the thing whereby we judge all matters. So when someone presents this thing to you, that it's, it's wrong for you to pray for the same thing twice. Mm-mm. Jesus contradicts you. Because when you look at what happened in Gethsemane, Matthew's account said he went and prayed the same thing three times. And he didn't go back in there the second and third time saying, God, I believe I received it a while ago, so I'm just coming back to thank you for it again. (laughs) This dude was sweating blood. (laughs) Three times. It also reminds me of the Apostle Paul in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the famous thorn in the flesh. He said, for this thing, because of this thing, I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for you. Now what the scripture doesn't tell us, it doesn't tell us that he prayed once and got the answer, prayed the second time and got the same answer, and prayed the third time and got the same answer. It might have happened that way, but the scripture doesn't say that. It could have been on the third asking that his heart was in a position to hear what it was that God has to say. And a lot of times when we, when we keep this, that's why the scriptures talk about continue in prayer, Mm -hmm. continue, because at the time you come in, your heart might be in such a place that it's so disturbed that you can't hear. Mm -hmm. Do you ever find yourself in that position? Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And this is going to look different for everybody, but when you notice that that's what's going on, how do you deal with that? Um, usually do something else, you know, like it, maybe go to the beach, take a walk and talk to God there. Often I will pray in tongues. Mm-hmm. And I find that. God speaks to me and reveals things to me through that. And maybe it won't be right at that moment, but it'll be maybe the next day mm-hmm. or a few hours later or the next week. You know, it's usually just change what I'm doing, remove, drown out, put music on. Yeah. Get lost in that. Get lost in the music, in the words, in the praising him. And then you can hear sometimes for me. It looks different. It looks different every time. I know for me personally, and praying in tongues tends to be my go-to, but what's happening with me in that particular, when that's going on is it's quietening me down. Mm-hmm. It's quietening the flesh down. It's edifying me in my spirit, and, I, and it takes me to a place where it's just 
It's just easier to hear. And a lot of times, a lot of times our carnality needs to be distracted. A lot of times it, uh, it, it'll, it's easy for me to hear if I'm doing something that's kind of mindless and brainless that doesn't require a lot of mind power, but yet it's, it's, it's got my, my, my flesh occupied doing something. So it's busy, but yet there's a heart communion going on. A lot of times uh, in the shower, uh, very often cutting grass. Why? Because my body's busy doing, doing something. something else. So it's occupied. It's it, it's 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 got something to keep it keep it busy, so it's not being real loud. And that heart communion's going on. Um, going into your closet and shutting the door. Yeah, that brings me anxiety. <laughs> that was a joke. Should have been my first answer though. When I go in my closet and shut the door. <laughs> Um, so we talked about Gethsemane. We talked about Paul. Mm. Talked about a lot. Psalm twenty-seven, fourteen says, "Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and He shall strengthen thy heart." Wait, I say, on the Lord. And Psalm 59, 9 says, Because of his strength will I wait upon thee, for God is my defense. One of the things Greg wrote in the description of the meeting today was the effects of prayer in our life. Mm -hmm. And that's what I find. That's the effect I find is I'm, I'm, I, come out, I come out of that place of prayer. I'm strengthened. I've gone in there with my weakness, and I've exchanged my weakness for his strength. How does he do that? He's constantly communicating the faith. And I draw strength from the faith. Uh, I think it's, it, in Romans, Paul talked about how Sarah received strength to conceive in her believing. Well, where did that believing come from? That believing come from hearing God because that's where faith comes from, from hearing. Did say faith comes from having heard. Faith comes from hearing, which goes toward something that's come out several times recently in our meetings is that to be a doer of the word is to be not a forgetful hearer but to not be a forgetful hearer, it's not just that I heard this and now I've got it, and then I go off here and I forgot what I heard. Being a forgetful hearer is one who forgets to continually hear. Yeah. And that's what produces the strength in our hearts. Now, going back to the exchange. In that exchange, I'm coming with a carnal perspective most of the time. He's going to present me with an eternal perspective. Hmm. And uh, more times than not, what he's going to show me 
the reason that thing's making me anxious to start with is because it's causing me to view something about myself as not being as it ought to be. Well, he's viewing me as being as I ought to be just because I had the nerve to come to prayer. So there's going to be an exchange that takes place. All right. From that perspective of anxiety, I'm seeing this thing as taking something away from my life. That's what's got me upset. Mm -hmm. yeah. And he comes and shows, okay, you think that you need, we, we use the, I need money, right? You think you need money. Why do you need the money? What is it you think you're going to get from the money? Well, I can pay my rent then. Okay. Why do you need your rent paid? Well, I need shelter. I need a place to live. Well, what does that, having that place to live and that shelter, what is that doing for you? Now he's searching the hearts, and I'm searching the hearts. And in that place, he starts revealing to me that I'm after something that's really the fruit of the Spirit. But carnality steps in and says, in order for you to have that peace, it's on the other side of this circumstance changing. Mm -hmm. And God steps in and says, what if I can give you your heart's desire without the circumstances changing? Man, that would put something on the inside of you that would equip you to be willing to stay on a cross, wouldn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everything Jesus was looking for was not on the other side of being rescued from the cross. He's hanging on the cross as he ought to be. Fully confident. The fruit of the Spirit abounding. For the joy that was set before him. There was a joy set before him. To think that you need your circumstances to change in order to experience the life of God is deception. Hmm. That's why Jesus would go into Mark chapter 4 and he would talk about the deceitfulness of riches. Because it will bring you to the conclusion that peace is found on the other side of the circumstances changing. Well, if peace is found on the other side of the circumstances changing, why is it that it's a peace that passes understanding? Mm -hmm. Because peace on the other side of the circumstances changing, that's not beyond my understanding. No. That's the understanding I came in there with. That's the... And then he comes and presents his understanding. Right. And in that, correction is taking place. You remember the message I brought on the great contradiction and I started talking about the chastisement of the Lord? The chastisement of the Lord is simply him bringing correction. And if you can endure the correction, it says that in Hebrews chapter 12, it says it brings forth the peaceable fruit of righteousness. That's where the fruit starts showing up is when you, in that interaction, you're, you're presenting yours, he's presenting his, and you let him persuade you, which that's what faith is. Faith is a persuasion of the heart. I think we've made this thing so complicated. 
The Lord gave me a picture one time, and you've probably heard me say this before, but you'll probably hear me say it again too. He said, faith is simply a persuasion of the heart. And the picture he gave me is that of a man courting a woman. And during that courtship, he's going to behave himself in such a way, and he's going to say things with the intent of persuading her heart that he would make her a good husband. Mm -hmm. The only thing she has to do in that entire process is make herself available to be persuaded. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do when we go to prayer. We're putting ourselves in a position to have our heart persuaded. I can't tell you how many times I've approached God with this. I know your word says this, but I don't believe it. Mm -hmm. Persuade my heart. Right. He gets excited about that. It's, it's like, almost like I can hear him laugh when I come with that. <laughs> He's like, game on. Here we go. And he gets busy doing what he does. And it produces the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And then all of a sudden I find out that thing that I thought was such a big deal. It ain't such a big deal at all. Now all of a sudden I've got an eternal perspective, which is his perspective. And because now I can see clearly, all of a sudden I might see something that I was missing where that thing was concerned with. Or I might even get a word of knowledge. Go do this. I might get a word of wisdom about showing you don't want to get involved in that because this is where it's going to end up. Mm -hmm. I start finding thoughts in my mind that I know are not my thoughts. This is the good life. This is the good life. Mm -hmm. You got anything else on your heart? No, I think I covered I'm it. I'm scroll way down here and jump over a whole bunch of stuff. All those scriptures. All, All those, those scriptures. And so I'm just going to finish it off by reading a prayer that Paul yeah. prayed for the Ephesians in chapter 3. Oops. Touch screens are a curse. Did you say Ephesians 3? Ephesians 3, verse 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ, the wisdom of God, might dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Mm -hmm. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Amen. So with that, we will say, Amen. Amen.